church. How's everybody doing this morning? Great, great to see you. Turn to someone near you and say, I am so excited that you're sitting near me today. Even if you don't mean it, say it. It makes them feel good. If you're joining at home, I want to say welcome to you as well. And we're so excited. And over the next two weeks, going to be rounding the last corner on this particular series called Resilient. But it's our theme for the year. We'll come back to it over and over again. And it's good to be with you today. Hopefully you have enjoyed... Um, Gerald Job a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Dwight. For some of you who have been around the church for at least 10 years, uh, Pastor Dwight, that was a blast from the past as he was on our staff for, uh, I think, eight years and just was, uh, did a great job with us, so it was so good. I wish I could have been here with you, but I, I had more fun because I was on a cruise. It was great. It was awesome. Well, that first week we were, we were working the first week, but I will tell you, we got off the boat yesterday morning, and I'm still swaying a little bit, so if, I, if I'm going back and forth, it's, it's just because I'm, it's, it's me. But anyway, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 3. If you want right to the middle of your Bible, you probably get real close to it. Proverbs chapter 3, as we continue today, and we talk about what it is to live in a resilient way, we live by faith, not by sight. And that's one of the hardest things sometimes as a believer is when it feels like we don't know what way God wants us to go. A few years ago, I came across a video of a Paralympics. Now, the Olympics are happening this summer in Paris, and then I think in two years in Milan for the, uh, in the, for the uh, Winter Olympics. But I came across some, some footage of the Paralympics, which, if you're familiar with that, it's those who have some kind of a, a physical disability of sort. And they are incredible athletes. It's amazing how quick and how able they are. But the one that took me off guard was downhill alpine skiing for blind people it blew me away i want to show you just a little bit we're going to cut halfway into the into the video but i want to show you there's going to be two people the person in front is the able-sighted and the one behind is the visually impaired i want you to go ahead and watch the downhill and tumbled very early. Yeah, go on now, Molly. Go on, let's go. Patrick will be next on the course. You can hear those instructions. Brett shouting, tell me, tell me. It's not just a one-way communication. They come into view of the spectators now into this sharp left-hander before they drop down and it's all about the speed. Brett's job here is to get Millie in line so she can just tuck in and come through these final two gates. Last red, last blue, over the line, 133.76 for Millie Knight. I feel like I want to clap for that person. Can we do that? I know that's been a few years ago. So the person in front is connected with a headset and when they take off, that next person is staggered and they are giving instructions. Now, you'll notice the really big blue lines that were on the outside. This individual, I think it was a, was a B2 a level of disability. It means they could see some out of the peripheral vision, couldn't see in front of them. And so they couldn't see the undulations, they couldn't see the, uh, the, the, the jumps and things like that. And so, excuse me, the person in front has a headset and they are, they're, they're giving communication. They're telling them when the turn is coming up. They're telling them where the bumps are going to be. They're telling them what to get ready for a jump. And 65 miles an hour, that's how fast they're going at their top speed. 
I think it is one of the, it is profound. And so here's the deal. The key is they had to be close enough so that the instructions giving would be, would be relevant. They had to be connected at all times so that there was, a, there was this constant two-way. There had to be this immediate response. So when they give the instructions, you can't wait you got to immediately respond because in immediate response, then it would take place at the right time. And then you had to have absolute, complete trust in the person who's guiding you. And, and I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be something if your walk, relationship, and trust in God was the same? That's the relationship. That's the relationship. And there are times in our life where we, we don't see the way. We don't, we don't know which way we're supposed to go. Where we, we feel like we're almost living life blind faith-wise. And the Lord gives us instruction that he wants us to operate by faith, not just by sight. Now, Proverbs chapter 3 is very familiar. For some of you, it's a life verse in here. You're gonna, you're gonna, you, you've claimed this for yourself but I want to take a look at it today because it gives us great insight into what this whole thing of is listening and learning and living by faith in our walk with the Lord even when we can't see. This is what it says. My son, do not forget my teaching, this is verse one, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Teach, uh, write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, these things aren't supposed to be just cerebral. They've got to be internalized into your very soul. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now here it is. This is what a lot of people have memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. The, the New King James Version says it a little differently, and it is a better understanding of what is said. Here's how the New King James Version says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Because straight paths and directed paths are not the same thing. When I'm, if you look at life, and this is actually not a bad way to kind of look at it. I, I, this morning as I was just getting ready to speak the first time, it struck me that that illustration of what our life looks like walking by faith is a really good illustration. Because I think some of us think that, that straight paths mean that we're gonna start here, point A, we're going to point B, and it's just gonna be real easy, real straight, and real linear. What I have found is that the way God directs our life is that there can be a lot of twists and a lot of turns and a lot of undulation. And his sovereignty does not allow us outside of the boundaries, but within that, there is a lot of distinctions that can take place. And so when it says that he directs our paths, there may be some twists, there may be turns, and there may be, there may be some really difficult things that hit us, but he will direct our paths. Now it's interesting because if we're gonna have directed paths, if we're going to allow the Lord to direct our paths, there are some things that have to take place. Number one, the first one that I notice in this passage is you gotta stay close. I know it goes right with the same thing I just said, but you gotta stay close. You gotta, you gotta stay close, or how about if I say this, 
Be in relationship with him. Now, a relationship with Christ always begins by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But relationship goes deeper when we understand that this is an ongoing relationship. This is not about just following the rules. This is not about just simply going through the motions, but a relational connection with the Lord that he wants for our life. Notice what he says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. There's an emotive side to this. There's that connected side to us. And when we talk about following the Lord, we could probably spend a month of services talking about this. But I think of two things. And the first one is, I first of all have to be following him. Following him. What is the path that he has for me? What are his commands? What's the direction that he has for me? I want to live my life walking in the footsteps of Jesus. He says it this way. He says, my sheep know my voice. They listen to me. But then he says, and they also follow me. So we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. We're modeling after the path that he has for us. We're, we're taking internally the commands that he has for us. In fact, um, it, in the Hebrew or in the, in the times of Jesus, the connection between the rabbi or teacher and his student was really interesting. It is said that a student was to follow so closely to the rabbi, the teacher, that the dust kicked up from his feet would land on his student. That's how closely you were supposed to model your master. So when Jesus follows me, he is saying, I want you to stay closely behind me, connected to me, and I want the dust from my steps to land upon you. Now, if you've ever driven behind anybody on a dirt road, you know exactly what that's like, right? We like to ride quads up north, and uh, if uh, we get onto some of the old snowmobile trails and such, and it's dirt, it's really dusty in the summertime, and uh, so my mask is an old T-shirt that I, you know, I just pull around like this. I get it out of my rag drawer. And then I've got some ski masks that I wear that I get at garage sales for a couple bucks. Got an old helmet that probably doesn't do much good, but it's on there. It keeps my head covered a little bit. And when, as we're following, if you're far enough behind, you don't get that dirt. But if you're following somewhat close so that you can see where to turn and stuff, you're invariably, you're going to be covered with it. Jesus said... Part of knowing what it is to listen and to come alongside of me is to follow me and it's to allow my life to impact yours. The second one is obedience. Not only are we gonna follow, but we're gonna be obedient. It's interesting what scripture says in Hebrews. The author to the Hebrews said this words. He says, we must play, pay more closely or careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away now here's the deal. There are times, it is not always the case, but there are times when there is disobedience in our life and that drifting has an impact on our proximity. It has an impact on our ability to sense the Lord's leading. It has an impact on the relationship. So one of the things that I always encourage people when they feel like they're kind of walking through a, a blind time, a, a time where they can't sense what God has for them, I would simply ask this, is there any area of your life, if you were being honest, where you would have to be honest and say, it is affecting my closeness with the Lord? 
Now, the answer may be no. If it's no, then rest. He is nearer to you than you feel. See, just because he doesn't feel near doesn't mean he isn't near. Sometimes our gauges are off. There are other things that are going on. But we do have to be honest. There are times when our heart needs to be broken before him and we need to return to him. So ask ourselves that question. And if you're being honest, you're allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you, and there's no area, then rest. You're okay. Trust him. Number two. The second one that I notice in this passage is not just stay close, but stay connected. Stay connected. Just like the first individual was constantly connected to the person behind them on the ski slope, the Lord calls us to stay constantly connected to him. Notice what he says, and lean not on your own understanding. I'm so glad I was able to find my stool. Somebody hid my stool uh, this morning and I, could, I, I was getting ready to come up in the first hour and my stool was not here and I was horrified. <laughs> so I went on a search and went back during the music and looked for my stool. I almost had to settle for my backup stool uh, but I didn't have to. I found it. It was, it was back here behind one of these curtains. This stool is a very sturdy stool. I trust this stool. In fact, Pastor Dwight is the one who bought this for me years ago. And everybody says, well, is it your stool? Has your name written on it? Yes, it does. <laughs> but when I talk about leaning, the, the word lean means to place all of your weight upon something. So when I am leaning, all of my stealthy hundred and 40 pounds on this thing, right? <laughs> I am placing all my dependence. Now, here's the deal. If the stool goes, I go, right? And Solomon, as he's trying to instruct his son, says, I want you to put all of your dependency upon him. He won't break. He can hold you. Stay connected. So how do we stay connected? There are three areas I think of real quick. First of all, I stay connected by, by seeking him. It is simply a heart that desires God to speak into my life. The Lord says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It means that I have a deep desire in my life and I'm actually searching. I remember I had a, a professor in, a uh, Greek professor in college. He was also the dean of students. And I gotta be honest, I, don't, I didn't think he was that great of a teacher. But he said something that um, I have always remembered. It's the one nugget that I took from the, the year that I sat underneath his teaching. He said he believed thoroughly that any honest desire to search for the truth will only lead you to a deeper understanding of what truth is. God is not afraid of your questions if you're honest. God is not afraid of you asking those hard questions if you're honestly looking. It'll lead you to a deeper understanding. So seek. The second one is to listen. And we listen primarily through the word of God and through prayer or communication with God. 
God's word is his will. And so as we read God's word, and even if we're not reading it actively, meditating on what his word says. Um, this week was one of those weird weeks. Tammy uh, made a declaration there was going to be no internet and there was going to be no cell service. She, we were gonna, turned out they charged so much for it, that was an easy decision to make. But I, it was hard for me for six and a half days to be completely. And you know what the hardest thing for me was? It wasn't talking to people and it wasn't Facebook. It was Google. I, I Google everything. You know, anytime I can't remember a singer's name, hey, what was the name of that singer who was in this? I, I do that all the time. And I was always looking for answers on stuff. And I realized that um, Google does a lot of the thinking for me. <laughs> it really does. I, I don't have this great memory, but I do have Google. And so that, that really messed me up. But it's interesting. I, I didn't have my apps. I didn't have my, my normal connections on the internet. And that's where I read from. And a lot of my scripture comes right on there. So I, I had one app that was a Bible app it was an old one but at least it was downloaded and I was able just to spend time looking at it but I found myself so often this week just meditating and praying meditating and praying and as I would meditate on God's word as I would reflect and I would communicate with him it was amazing the time I was able to have even though I wasn't in my normal setting and then I would say the third one is counsel Godly counsel. And, and what we mean by biblical counsel is not a biblical counselor professionally, although that can be really good. But it's surrounding yourself with people who are believers, and I would go further. They are believers who have like values or they have values that you aspire to. Because what I have found in Christendom today is that there is a whole different level of value systems. And what one person may value or what they may, man, that may not be where, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging, that's not where I want my life to go. And so I want to surround myself with individuals that I know have similar values to where I want to be focusing my life. And it is amazing how that helps me through, through communication, through seeking, listening, and counsel, how that holds me steady even when I can't see where I'm going. Number three, got to hustle. The third one is stay yielded. Stay yielded, which means what? You are living with a pre-presumed yes on your heart. I have never found a better way to communicate it than that. You are living with a yes on your heart. If God asks it, I will say yes. If God says no, I will say no. Whatever God, it is an attitude that says, Lord, you lead, I promise, I'll obey. And it is a yielded position in your life. Notice what he says. He says, um, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding in all your ways read that with me would you in all your ways acknowledge him let's change it in all my ways i will acknowledge him let's say that together in all my ways i will acknowledge him that means even with my finances even with my relationships even with my entertainment even with my personal health life, even in my personal time, even in my family, even in my marriage, even in my workplace, in every area of my life, it is a pre-yes on my heart. And I will tell you, it is the scariest decision and the most freeing decision you will ever make in your life. And by the way, 
When you have a yielded heart, it really comes where you realize, first of all, that I've been really fighting God for who gets to sit on the throne. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. But I'm fighting the Holy Spirit for who gets to sit on, my, on the throne of my life every once in a while. So when I want to do my own thing, I do my own thing. And then when I want his blessing, I kind of get, let him get back on the chair. And then I want to be in charge again. And, and you know, can I just tell you, and I know people hate it, and I have pastors who disagree with me. I'm going to say it anyway. If he's not the Lord of everything, he's not Lord. Because that's what lordship means. Now that doesn't mean you know everything. Man, when I first came to the Lord, I was, man, I was, I was on fire. A couple months into my faith, I would have told you, I, I, I'm being obedient, I'm being yielded in every area of my life. And then he started getting personal with me. He started dealing with stuff in me, and can I tell you, it's been, I don't even know how many more years yet. It's been close to 40 years. And he is still finding things in my life and my character that he is honing, that he is developing, he is shaping. We're not gonna get into the next part of this passage which says, uh, my child, do not, do not rebuke or do not turn away his discipline. Even through his disciplining, how he is shaping and honing my life, but if you have a pre-given yield to the Lord, sometimes you have to re-surrender it again, but it is allowing him to fully live and lead your life. An old story I always thought was kind of funny is a guy was walking on a path and he came up to what looked like a village peddler. He had like a little cart. And he was standing at a fork in the road and uh, so he thought, I'm going to watch this guy a little bit. So he watches him a little bit. And the guy has a stick that he's thrown up in the air. And uh, the stick lands, and he picks it up, throws it up in the air again, and it lands a second time. And he picks it up, and he throws it up in the air a third time, and it lands. So he goes up to the guy, and he goes, hey, how you doing? What are you doing? He goes, well, I'm a peddler. And he goes, can I ask you, what are you doing with that stick? Throwing it up in the air. And he said, oh, he said, I... Um, I use the stick to determine God's path for me that i trying to decide which village I'm going to go into, and so I throw the stick up, and then whichever way the stick goes, that's where God wants me to go. He goes, oh, really? That's incredible. Why'd you throw it up in the air three times? He says, because God was wrong the first two times. <laughs> and there are so many times in our life we are tempted to say, God, I think you're wrong on this one. I think you're wrong on this one. I will just simply say this. If you put God on an answering machine and say, I'll think about it, I don't believe he's going to lead you. Why would he tell you if you're just going to say no? When he knows my heart is surrendered, he has a way of clearing things up. But I'll say this, if you're in relationship and you're staying connected and you're yielded, relax. Relax you will not miss his will for your life. Which leads to number four. Number four is trust him. Trust him. That means I'm gonna stay trusting, I'm gonna stay devoted to his character. He says he will direct your paths, he will guide your steps, he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. He is simply indicating you can trust 
who he is, you can trust his character, and you can trust that he knows how to get you to where he wants you to be. I had an a individual uh, contact me this summer, or maybe it was fall, and they had been watching online, um, made a new commitment to the Lord. They were, they were uh, recommitting to a, a dedicated walk with Christ. And so did some messaging and, and did it through email. Then we went to messaging and then we, we set up a phone appointment. And one of the things they were struggling with was, man, I feel, I don't know if God wants me to go this direction or what he wants me to do. And I feel so frustrated. I'm, I'm five months into this journey and I feel like I'm struggling. And, and I just, so I just went through this kind of a checklist and I just said, do, do you, are you have, do you have a relationship with the Lord? She said, yeah, I do. And I said, are you trusting him today? She said, yes. I said, as far as you know, is there any area of your life that you're, you're being actively disobedient or that you're, you're not being surrendered? Are you being surrendered? Are you surrendered to whatever? In other words, will you do whatever he wants you to do? Absolutely. And I said, relax. You can't miss it. You can't miss his will when you are in that place in your life. My son Wesley, a number of years ago, when he, I think he was a junior in high school, was really struggling because he, um, he wanted to do what God had for him and he didn't want to take a wrong path. And, and, uh, and it was enough that it was almost paralyzing him. Now, can I just encourage you, if you're a junior or... It, <laughs> Can I just, how many adults that are in here had everything figured out when you were a junior in high school and you're doing today exactly what you knew you were going to do? Some of you did. There aren't very many hands that just went up. So relax, relax a little bit. Parents, I know that you want it all planned out. You didn't have it all planned out. And so I was trying to communicate to him this, and I, and I, 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 I felt like the Lord gave me a word. And so I, I got out a map that I had in my motorcycle and I spread it out on the, on the table, a map. Um, for those of you who are of a certain age, a map is like a GPS <laughs> that doesn't actually move and it's on paper. It's kind of the, what they do with that. And I gave him a Sharpie and I said, uh, Wes, um, we live in Port Huron and your sister and brother, uh, they live down here around Goshen, Indiana. I said, I want you to get me there. And he hemmed and hawed, and I said, no, no. He goes, well, what? And I go, just find a way to get there. So the biggest lines on a map are usually the main highways, and so he, he looked at me, and he took 69 over to Lansing and went south uh, across the Indiana uh, border to the toll road because he wasn't paying the bill on that. And um, he went over to, uh, to the Bristol exit, went down 15 into Goshen, Indiana. And then he looked at me and he said, is that, is, that, is that right? I said, that's right, that's great. Unless, of course, you wanted to take 94. Because you could actually take 94 all the way down through Detroit over toward 69, hit 69, go south to 80, take 80 over to 15, take 15 down to Bristol. And he looked at me like, oh, you know. And I said, no, no, I said, neither one's right or wrong. I said, it's just, you know, they'll both get you there. Unless, of course, you want to take 94 all the way over to 131 and not pay the toll, and then you take 131 down south out of Kalamazoo, and instead of going all the way into Goshen, you go through Middlebury, Indiana, down to State Road 4. 4 goes over to where their house is at. It's actually a, it's actually a quicker route, and it doesn't cost you any money. 
Unless, of course, you would prefer to do the drive that I like because it's a great motorcycle ride. You go down past Ann Arbor and hit Highway 12. Anybody ever been on Highway 12? Highway 12 is a great drive all the way across the state. It'll take you all the way over to Niles and on from there. But you can go all the way through Sturgis. It's the closest to Sturgis I ever got on a motorcycle. And I went through Sturgis, Michigan, and then I go over to 131 where I pop down onto 13 just north of Middlebury, and then I go down into Calvin's house. Or you could take it over to the Bristol exit and which is 15 or you could go all the way over to the 17 and take it down that way as well unless you want to go through Brown City because you can actually go up through Brown City go over to I think it's 53 it goes north out of Marlette and then it goes north of Marlette hit 46 take 46 over to 127 I think somewhere around Cairo or something it hits that and then it goes at an angle all the way across the street and then it goes down and it hits it hits the, the northern Indiana and then you take another highway highway 12 over to 13 or whatever it is unless of course in I took that Sharpie and I drew as many ways as possible and I got onto the most... The, okay, so the lines get smaller and smaller even down to dirt roads which I think get dotted. And I drew another 10, 15 ways for him to get down there and I looked at Wesley and I said, Wesley, God is the master of back roads. He knows how to get you to where he wants you to be. In fact, God wants you to be where he wants you to be more than you want to be where he wants you to be. So relax. Trust him. That doesn't mean that we make, don't make mistakes and that we make our own choices and they take us off a path and doesn't derail us a bit but God knows how to get you to where he wants you to be and there are some of you here that I've messed up so much there's no way hey can I just tell you something you're sitting here today what a miracle is that and this is part of the journey God is using to get you to where he wants you to be trust him trust him even when it feels like it's dark even when it feels like it's black even when you can't sense the way trust him lean on him stay close he knows how to bring you to where he wants you to be father thank you thank you for your word thank you for the promises of your word some today are maybe walking through a time that that analogy they feel like they're walking without sight right now I pray they just lean and trust and Lord, I pray that you would open up ways and some today are discouraged because they've made some life-altering, horrific choices and yet, Lord, you're not done with them. The enemy wants them to think it's all hopeless. Lord, you know exactly how to get us to where you want us to be. So take us on the turns and the most important turn you'll ever take is just simply turning around, turning back to him. And then it all begins from there. So thank you, Lord. We trust you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to worship together. If you'd like to come and pray, I want to invite you to do so anytime during the song. If you want a prayer partner, you are welcome to come. We'll pray with you. Let's worship him this morning.